You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Brewers on Tap. Welcome into episode number 28 of Brewers on Tap, the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. Hi again, everybody. Jeff Levering with you as we are here in Miami, down in South Beach, doing a little Brewers on Tap this week. And you can get involved each and every week with comments and questions by tweeting the Brewers Twitter account and using the hashtag Brewers on Tap. Got a great show for you here this week as television broadcaster Brian Anderson is going to stop by, talk a little bit about the Brewers and about his career and how he got into calling baseball games at a very young age. And we'll also chat with the Brewers minor league infield roving coordinator, and that is Bob Missick, talking about some of the young, talented players in the minor league system for the Brewers, Orlando Arcia, Yadiel Rivera among them, and how he has seen second baseman Scooter Jeanette improve since he got into pro ball a few years ago. But first, we start with this week in Brewers history. And now, this week in Brewers history. We go back to September 9th, 1992, and that's when Robin Yount becomes the 17th player in Major League history to record 3,000 hits when he gets a base hit off of Jose Mesa in the seventh inning against Cleveland. Yount becomes the third youngest player in Major League history to reach milestone, only behind Ty Cobb and Hank Aaron. And here is Bob Euchre's call of Robin Yount's historic moment. Back in against Mesa, who is working from the windup. The 0-1 pitch. Swings, and there it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. Doesn't get much better than that. Robin Yount and the legendary Bob Euchre on the call. It's been a great week for the Brewers. They've been winning a lot more than they've been losing. A six-game winning streak at one point, which was snapped on Sunday against the Cincinnati Reds. But lots of highlights to get to from a fantastic week from the Brewers. He drives one to right field, does Cervelli back on the warning track. Braun reaches out, and he made the catch up against the fence. What a play by Ryan Braun on the warning track in full sprint, and at the last moment, reaching out with that left hand and making the catch in the palm of that glove. Great play, Ryan Braun, and the Brewers doing it all in the first two and a half innings. Two quick outs for Jimmy Nelson. Here's Neil Walker now. There's a called strike three. Nelson strikes out Neil Walker, number six, and he's through seven innings, just one run allowed. That'll end the night of Jimmy Nelson. Seven innings, one run. Good night for him. Yeah, nice bounce back. Good movement on a fastball and a terrific changeup. That ball's ripped into left center field, and it's going to fall. A base hit. And Davies. With his first major league hit, it's a single with two outs. <laughs> I don't make his family happy. Save that baseball. 
Herrera booming ball right field and this one is out of here first pitch a home run and Milwaukee takes the lead back just that fast he's something else isn't he and this one hit hard to right field again and out of here another home run for Herrera and that'll bust it open his second home run of the doubleheader, a three-run pop. And Milwaukee now leads this one seven to two. Who is this guy, huh? Elian Herrera, two home runs and a doubleheader. This one slapped into left field. Peterson on the run, dives and makes the catch. What a play by Shane Peterson. It's at hard right field. Bourgeois going back and watches it go into the seats. And that's Peterson's first home run. Yeah, put a charge into it. Got a good pitch to hit on a 3-2 count. Well, he's been flirting with the home run. There's a smile on his face. He got his first one out of the way. Took him a while, but made it count. ball left field hit pretty well and this one's going to carry out of the ballpark. Wow Ryan Braun. Nice and easy swing and home run number 25. And, uh, the big chip was Jose Reyes. That ball is hit deep to right. Davis sends it way back and goodbye. Chris Davis a 400 foot blast into right center. Utility player Elian Herrera had a big doubleheader on Saturday against the Reds, including a couple of home runs in each ends of the doubleheader. Shane Peterson continued his strong defensive play in the outfield and even clubbed his first big league homer in Cincinnati. Ryan Braun hit his 25th home run of the season on Sunday. Chris Davis hit his 18th of the year in Miami. And Zach Davies picked up his first base hit in his first major league start against the Pirates at Miller Park and then followed that up in his second appearance, picking up his first big league win against the Marlins on Labor Day. As we mentioned earlier on in the podcast, we had an opportunity to catch up with television broadcaster Brian Anderson. Among the things we talked about, the city of Miami, how the Brewers are playing, and also how he got into broadcasting baseball games. So let's catch up with the crew this week and TV broadcaster Brian Anderson. Let's catch up with the crew. It's time to catch up with the crew this week as we are down in South Beach and uh, Marlins Park as. The Brewers and the Marlins are playing here down in the state of Florida, and we're looking at all sorts of fun stuff here at Marlins Park. We've got the, I, I don't really want to call it a statue. It's more of an artistic device out in center field, and, and this is a, an awfully fun park, and we have an opportunity to catch up with Brewers television broadcaster Brian Anderson. And, Brian, I mean, here we are in Marlins Park, and, and this is one of the more unique ballparks, I would say, in the league, right? Yeah, I like it, though. I, I think it is because it's unique. There's nothing like it. The colors are bright. It's very Miami. I don't know about the big uh, art sculpture, the home run sculpture, they call it, but um, whatever. It only costs, what, two, three million dollars, so that's nothing to Jeffrey Loria. But, no, I like the ballpark. I like the downtown setting. It's so much better than 
um, all the variations that it was over there at Pro Player and Joe Robbie and Dolphin Stadium when it rained every day and felt like the Brewers were always in Miami during uh, hurricane season. And so we would, if we were in there for four days, we'd always have two or three rain delays. So this is, uh, it's a really comfortable park to work in. Obviously their crowds are awful, but uh, when they're good, they fill this place up. It's a nice intimate setting. So I'm a fan of this place. It's a good spot, and certainly when it gets nice and toasty or even, you know, the ball game on Monday on Labor Day when we had the rain that rolled through, you could just button it up and you don't, have, you don't even have to worry about it. No question, and that's, uh, that's what I like about it the most. Most important thing, though, the bathroom is right next to the visiting television booth. So that's really important, especially for my, my partner, Bill Schroeder, because, you know, he does have a going problem sure. he doesn't have the uh the fan machine here like he does in milwaukee right the the big mister right the breeze machine. breeze machine he doesn't have that but we have people do that for us now so there's people standing behind they just wave those those giant plantain leaves so it works well and they feed him grapes every third inning too which is good uh brian th- this has been a it's been an up and down season for the brewers but since june the first this has been a, a pretty fun team to watch you know craig council took over in the middle of the season uh and, and i feel like that he commands a lot of respect in that clubhouse i think that you would say the same thing down there that the kind of the attitude has changed a little bit with this Brewers team. Yeah, and I think that always happens when you have transition. The Brewers made a lot of trades and you're you're dispatching big league players elsewhere and you're bringing in uh minor league prospects. Guys are coming up and guys are they know they're fighting for a job, I think. So that that's typically the case, but I will say this last episode with Matt Garza and what happened uh, with that and the way Council handled that, to me, that was his first real controversy. And he handled it beautifully, I thought. Um, I think just being so close uh, to being a player, he's not that far removed from his playing days. I think he's able to speak to these guys on a much different level than most managers are. And uh, I thought he diffused that situation really well. Garza spouted off and said some things that I'm sure he – I don't know if he'd regret it, but I'm sure he would not choose to do that in such a public forum. Um, and the way Council handled that and Garza is going to remain with the ball club. I thought that that was a real test for me to see how Craig was going to handle that situation. And he handled it beautifully. And, and you, you just can never you can never have better communication than one on one communication. And so when agents start to get involved and uh, agents and general managers and and now they're speaking through the player. Um, that usually ends up in a bad spot. Obviously, the Mets are dealing with that with the Matt Harvey situation and his innings limit. Um, different topic, but same system and how things get to us, the media, how we hear about things and how we distribute information about uh, when a player is not happy and uh, news that's coming from a ball club. So stepping back from it and getting out of the news cycle uh, and just watching how council handled that, I thought it was really good. And, uh, man, it really gives you a lot of hope. So – you have all this hope for these players that you're seeing and uh, watching Zach Davies pitch and watching the year Taylor Youngman has had and Domingo Santana's power. And uh, you start to get a lot of hope too, from a front office managerial perspective. I think the Brewers will, uh, I think they're going to exhaust every area to try to bring in the right general manager. That's going to fit well with Craig council. To me, that's the most important thing, the connection between general manager and manager. And I think the Brewers are on that, chart to do that on that pace and so yeah I think there's a lot of reasons to hope and the way the young players are succeeding right now in the big leagues 
Um, it's not out of the question that the Brewers could get themselves back in a contending position shortly. Um, they have enough talent to do that. You're obviously going to have to have a lot of guys step up and be maybe better or different than what people expect, but it's, it's not out of the question. You mentioned you know the young talent that the Brewers have on this team, and you look at the three starting pitchers that have really kind of come out of this thing and, and look like cornerstone guys, the Willie Peraltas, the Taylor Youngmans, and Jimmy Nelsons, the way that they have been pitching here this season, and when Willie Peralta's been healthy and been in there, you know, that's three formidable starters that you can put in there. You know, you hope to get Matt Garza back to what he was in 2014 and before his you know, time here in Milwaukee as well. You know, you don't have a lot of pieces that you need to add. And with these young kids that are coming up, and that's what September is so fun. You know, you get an opportunity to see these kids, you know, Domingo Santana coming up, Zach Davies, like you mentioned. You know, even even a couple of other guys that are in A potentially here in September. But there's a lot of reason to be very excited about this club. Yeah, and I think you use this opportunity to see guys. And uh, for us as broadcasters, we just want to see hope. You know, we're like fans we want to see where the organization's going, and we want to see hope, and there is hope, and that's, that's encouraging. So the worst place you can be in baseball is the middle, the middle ground, you, you know, a 500 team, maybe pushing to a postseason, maybe not, realistically not, but, you know, not necessarily out of, the, out of the picture just yet. I look at the Tampa Bay Rays right now. They're hovering right around 500. They're about four to five to six games out of the second wild card spot. You can't raise the white flag on a season – and that means you're not really setting yourself up for long-term success. The Rays are a great example of a team that has used their system well, and they'll continue to do that. But um, you, you either want to make a run at it and feel like you have a team that can, that can win a pennant, win a World Series, or you want to be so bad that you have to start over. And that's what the Brewers have done this year, and I think they've made a lot of great trades. My brother, as a matter of fact, who's a scout, has the Astros organization. So that's one of his four organization that he covers. And the second we made that trade, uh, he called me and he said, you guys did well. You, get, you scouted well. The four players the Brewers got in return for Fires and, uh, and Carlos Gomez are really strong prospects. And all on his sheet were must acquires. So that was a good sign because he's not going to pull any punches either. So that, that really encouraged me that uh, the Brewers did a lot of work and did the right kind of work. And they had to win – these trades, we don't know what kind of big leaguers these guys will be, but you had to win those trades. And it allows us to at least look to the future, and we're not just spinning wheels and uh, talking about a pennant race that doesn't exist. Chatting with Brian Anderson here. And, and B.A., I want to go back to, you know, we talk about the Brewers and, and what they're doing, but you know, a lot of people don't really, you know, they hear you on the television broadcast with Rock, but they don't necessarily know how you got to where you are. I mean, you were a guy – that played baseball all the way through and then decided, you know what, you, you know, I'm five foot 11 with, with good shoes on. And, uh, you know, I could probably swing a little bit and play a little good, good defense behind the dish. But you realized that that was not something that was going to be in the cards professionally. How did you get into wanting to be a broadcaster? Well, I, I realized that two years too late. So that was my fault. But everybody had told me I was probably not good enough. You know, my brother played in the major leagues and I always figured well that's well I'll, I'll be able to follow this path as well but um, you know I, I wasn't good enough and um, and I figured that out my junior year in college which I actually should have figured out my freshman year in college but I had a decent college career I was a 300 hitter uh, at a small college in Texas uh, 
at the time it was an NAI school. And I love the game and I love being around the game. And that experience playing college baseball in San Antonio, Texas, for this college, St. Mary's University. And, and we were the number one team in the nation, by the way. We, we had a great team. We had uh, four players drafted off of our team. One of them was a longtime coach at Cardinal Stritch, Mike Zalecki, right here in Milwaukee. Um, he was my roommate, my teammate. So we had a good group of guys. And the most important thing for my career, we shared the stadium with the AA San Antonio Missions at the time. It was a Dodgers AA affiliate. So we shared the stadium. They were building a new stadium that was to open in 1994. So my last year in college was 1993. And as they were going into this new stadium, they wanted to expand their operations. It was a really small operation. I mean, all minor league operations are small, but this was extremely small. And so the timing could not have been better. And... I had always wanted to go into broadcasting. I did it a lot in the dugout. I was a catcher, so I caught the second game or first game. And the second game, I'd be on the bench usually uh, when we played double headers, unless I DH'd or something. Um, but I would always sit in the dugout and I would do play by play. And I would just do it in different voices. And I would imitate, like, Milo Hamilton was uh, the radio announcer for the Astros, Hall of Fame announcer that we knew well. And I would imitate Mark Holtz, who uh, was the great Rangers announcer who's passed away, but one of my mentors, and Gene Elston. And, and I'd do Harry Carey, of course. Everybody did a Harry Carey. And uh, I'd do a Red Barber broadcast down in the dugout of the games, and nobody knew who Red Barber was. But I'd sit here, and I'd talk like this, and here we are, and we're at St. Mary's University. And so it just became a funny thing. And even our head coach, Charlie Miggle, used to say in – tense games or he'd say hey ba give me a little play-by-play here i'm getting nervous (laughs) so i would do that and people liked it and they started hanging around and then and then they connected me to the professional team that we shared the stadium with the missions and and i didn't know this but my head coach said look i really think you could do this for a living um you should try they're looking for somebody to help um help their broadcast kind of be the second guy that would run around and get all the stat back then we used the real ticker that produced paperwork and it would crank all day long so keep the scores organized so I was lucky right out of college I had two job offers one was to go be go to scouting school the Reds had offered me a job to go to scouting school in Florida and enter in as a professional baseball scout and the other was to join the San Antonio missions at $25 a game and be a secondary broadcaster, and I just did home games only uh, that year. And, uh, and you know, I chose broadcasting. I, I was really torn because actually the scouting job paid a lot more, way more. Um, but I was able to – I felt like there, maybe there's more upside in broadcasting, never dreaming that I would make it to the major leagues. But um, that started the process. I was 22 years old when I got the, the minor league play-by-play job. And I spent nine years in that same place, which – is a really long time, but I was able to supplement with all kind of different projects and different jobs. And, um, you know, I was a cameraman, a handheld cameraman. I did television sports uh, as an audio technician and a cameraman, and I did graphics and whatever I could do in the offseason to sustain the broadcasting, which was really where my heart was. Having spent a lot of time at the Wolf, which is the ballpark that you moved into at the San Antonio Missions, it's uh, a place where home runs go to die. And, uh, you know, a legendary broadcaster that you got to work with was Roy Acuff, and uh, a guy that's been around for a long time. He's, he's 
couple of years out of the booth now because he's he's getting up there in age. But you and Roy pulled off one of the best stunts, uh, and and I got to talk to you about this, and I think our listeners would appreciate it too. Uh, one of the best broadcasting pranks uh, that I've ever heard in my life, and I, I had heard this before I had even met you coming into this 2015 season. So I I had heard this mock broadcast that you guys did. So I think you just need to to briefly allow these listeners to get in the inner sanctum of what was that day at the Wolf. Well, you know, when I first started with the missions, I was basically the same age as the players. And baseball pranking was huge. Like, we we did it all the time. Like, we stole white lightning from, which was the Greyhound dog in Wichita that they used to do the dog races with. So his name was White Lightning. So we took him back to the hotel once. And I don't know, I just felt like, and I, I used to throw batting practice at the time. Um, I used to catch bullpens. Uh, matter of fact, I caught Chan Ho Park's first ever bullpen side session in the United States. Uh, and he threw a softball, by the way, about 88 miles an hour, which is not easy to catch. <laughs> and he wore red underwear under his white uniform. So, um, so anyway, I was in this mix of guys where I, they were my age. We were out doing pranky stuff and uh, there was this, uh, I was the secondary announcer when I started, and then there was this other guy who was a PR guy. Um, his, uh, he, his father worked in the group that owned all of these minor league teams, including the team I worked for, and he really wanted to be a broadcaster. And uh, I think the consensus that day was uh, that everybody was, uh, you know, ready to maybe set him back a little bit because he was kind of a cocky young kid. He's a good guy, but I, I, I knew he wanted my job, basically, to say it simply and so <laughs> we had done a test run uh, a few weeks earlier in Wichita where I had gotten sick and I walked out acted like I was sick and I walked out of the booth and this this guy from the Wichita Wranglers which is no longer in the Texas League but he he um he always wanted to be on the air so we literally left him there by himself and what he thought was we were on the air and he picked up the mic and actually did the game <laughs> But the thing was, we were not on the air during day games back then. We were on a country station, and they did not allow us to air the day games. So after we did that for a half inning, we go, you know, this will be a good, this will be a good prank for this other guy who will rename, uh, remain nameless. But so we, we decided, okay, the, my partner, you're talking about Roy Acuff, who's in the Texas League Hall of Fame. He is a, just a real character. He's a tall, he looks like a praying mantis with a beer belly. And he's a really funny guy. And so we decided that Roy would be the straight man in this deal, and I was going to call in sick. And in the meantime, I had engineering skills to record and do all these things from afar and because of my technical background. So we strung cables across, and <laughs> we did this whole setup. So we weren't on the air that day, and I called in sick. So they sent this other guy in who was very eager to do it and not only take my job but take the other guy's job. He just wanted to do it all himself. And, and the premise was that we would probably maybe go an inning or so, and Roy, the older guy, the legendary broadcaster, was going to become belligerent as the game would go on. <laughs> and he was going to be drinking beer, and he was going to be swearing on the air, and he was going to take his shirt off and do all these things ultimately to get him to the point where he, the guy would eventually say, the victim would eventually say, there's no way this is real, and we were all going to go in and have a good laugh. Well... This thing went on for nine innings, <laughs> and he was so locked in on the game and trying to do such a good job that he didn't, it didn't stop. And there, I've cut, I cut it into a digital 
26-minute highlight reel that's not suitable suitable for children, by the way. No. Uh, there's a lot of profanity, and, <laughs> and um, there's a lot of making fun of the players. And as a matter of fact, John Shelby was the manager, the Brewers assistant hitting coach, was the manager of that team uh, in San Antonio. And so without getting into all the gory details, uh, there, was, there was just moment after moment of hilarity and it was one of the great comedy bits. It, was, it got a huge write-up in Baseball America. Uh, they, they aired what they could with the bleeps. And the thing was, this guy never, he never caught on until the end. After the game, he was literally going into the post-game show. And we all walked in with our shirts off. And by this time, Roy, the legend, was down to his underwear, basically. <laughs> Drink, and I think he was a little boxed himself. I mean, he was really drinking. So um, it was quite the uh, experience and it kind of helped put us on the map as a minor league team like this fun loving San Antonio missions uh, broadcasters and no one ever talked about the broadcasters back then this is way before social media I mean we're talking 96 this would have been 96 so it was a lot of fun and that and that uh, still lives on SoundCloud I'm sure you can find it. Oh, God, it's, it's phenomenal. Again, if you've got the 26 minutes, it is well worth your time. Just make sure if you've got young children, take them out of the room and, uh, and enjoy it. Uh, B.A., it's, it's so great to have the opportunity to talk with you, and I'm sorry it's taken so long to get you on the podcast, but, you know, we do save the best for last, so toward, towards the tail end of this thing. But it, it, is, it is an absolute well, honor to work with you. What podcast number is this? I don't know. I, I've li- no, I don't. I, I lost track. 30s, isn't it? Like 40s maybe or 20s? Or yeah, it's high 20s. Every Wednesday since spring training. Yeah. And what month is this? Uh, I think it's September, September. right? September. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. You right. got it. No problem. We had uh, Rock on a couple you of times. You had stats guy on before you had me on, Mike Faulkner. I do have to admit this. Uh, you know, it's tough going through your agent to try and, and try and book guests. So you're, you're a tough guy to get a hold of. I see. You just blew me off. No problem. <laughs> I help you out and you blow me off. I'll be a, in all seriousness, it's a pleasure to work with you. And uh, thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes with us, for sharing some stories. And, and hopefully, uh, I'm sure people enjoyed it as well. But uh, it's an absolute pleasure. All right, man. I appreciate it. It's always great to be with you, Jeff. You're doing a great job, by the way. And you got a big, big future ahead of you. So it's fun to be on the podcast with you. Brewers on tap. Keep turning up the heat. Our special thanks to Brian Anderson for joining us on the podcast. And we alluded to his mock broadcast Well, here's a little bit of that broadcast that he took part of in setting up back in 1996 in San Antonio. Boykin up. Fly ball to right. In is Romero, and he's got it for the out. Willie Romero. Beautiful play in right. (laughs) Oh, man, that's a a highlight film on this club this year, Mm -hmm. Brian. Well... I haven't seen the road games like you, but from what I've seen at home, team sucks canal water. What can I say? Well, that's all right, Roy. They'll pull it out. They'll pull it out. We're 3-12 and on the road. You think we suck canal water here? You ought to see us on the road. The highlight of the road road trips are the chicks they go after after the game at night late. So Harris laboring a little bit out there. He's been staked to a 3 to nothing lead, but he's thrown five consecutive balls. 
Speaking of balls, I got the bow balls today. We're going to toss well, out. It's only the fourth. You got four more innings, Roy. No, I think they're, they're going to do it today in the bottom of the fifth. Oh, really? Had a baby. Big old bull balls. You know <laughs> <what>? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> one ball and one strike. I got your balls, ball. <laughs> right here. <laughs> one and one to Canerco. Working from the stretch is Harris with Romero at first. Checks his sign. There goes the runner. Hit and run. Grounded foul. Want another beer? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Huh? Missions Baseball brought to you by Pepsi-Cola. No. Nothing else is a Pepsi. <sighs> and, of course, by the bow balls of Bonanza. When there's a meal at stake, it's Bonanza. Home of them big bow balls. One ball and two strikes. One out here in the fourth. Paul Canerco, the Missions sixth-place batter in the lineup, takes the next pitch fastball down to the first uh, third baseman, Alfonso. Who flips it to Guile for one, back over to first in time for the double play. So Round the missions the are horn, boy. Five, four, three. The missions are out of the inning in the fourth. No runs on, no hits, no errors, none left. We heading out of the fifth. Three to nothing, Midland. Missions baseball, AM 680, KKYX. The minor league season is over for all but one of the Brewers farm teams. That's the Biloxi Shuckers. But one guy who's been involved with a lot of minor league action this year is the roving minor league infield coordinator, Bob Missick. We chatted with Bob on Labor Day to talk about some of the talented young players coming up in the Brewers system and how Scooter Jeanette has improved as a second baseman since he's become a pro. Let's break it down. And we're happy to be joined by the Brewers minor league roving infield coordinator, and that is Bob Missick. He's here in Miami and traveling with the Brewers here over the next couple of weeks. And, uh, Bob, what's it like, first and foremost, to be with the big league club right now here in September? Well, it's great. I mean, I'm, uh, they, they sent, they're, they're sending me here for, for this road trip to kind of see how things are going and get, you know, when you're in the minor leagues like I am year-round, you you uh, you need to see how how the level play is in the big leagues every now and then to keep you know keep that in your mind. No doubt about it. And like you said, you travel around the minor leagues. You're pretty much at every single one of our affiliates, whether it's you know Brevard County or Biloxi or Colorado Springs. You're seeing all these guys coming through and making sure they're doing the things that they need to do to get to this point, right? Well, we try to help them any way we can in motivation and uh, you know just on field work. Uh, I, I'm lucky. I have. Uh, a group of managers I work with uh, in the minor leagues that do most of the daily work, uh, you know, and I, I come in for five days and then um, I may not be back for six weeks. So, you know, I rely on the managers at the affiliates to do the daily stuff. And, you know, we work together kind of coming up with a plan, trying to help the players. Well, what are some of the things when you go in for five days and say you're in Biloxi and you see Orlando Arcia, what are the things that you want to see over those five days? We set out in spring training. We have a game plan for each guy. We, as a group, the you know entire player development staff sits down and lays out you know uh, a game plan for each guy. Uh, we come up with, uh, we evaluate them, you know, their strengths and their weaknesses, and then we come up with a plan to try to help help out their weaknesses and and not not lose the strengths they have. So, you know, it's pretty. Uh, you know, we we get pretty detailed with it. And a guy like Arcia, when you get to Double A. You know, he's done a lot of things right to get to that point. It's just more fine-tuning, and, uh, you know, so you're just kind of keeping your eye on little things at that point. He's pretty impressive as a 21-year-old. 
Yeah, he's been impressive since the day he's got here. Uh, he's 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 a natural defender. Uh, he can play the shortstop position. And the thing about Arcia is he's uh, two things. He's got uh, instincts that are natural. He just does things naturally, and uh, you know he's he's uh, he makes adjustments very quick. Uh, if he if he needs to do something, uh, if he, if he make, makes a mistake, he learns from it and makes makes the adjustment very quickly. One guy that you've worked with a lot since he's uh, coming to the Brewers organization is second baseman Scooter Jeanette. Uh, what have you seen from him as an improvement from when he got into pro ball and to where he is now as an everyday second baseman? So that's the thing that we see uh, when we get guys out of the draft. Uh, maybe they came out of high school. Maybe came out of college. So we, a lot of times, uh, especially with a guy like Scooter, he came out of high school. He, uh, he's nowhere near. He's improved so much. I mean. Uh, amazing and he still has a lot of room for improvement but uh from the first day he got here till now it's it's quite a bit of improvement it's pretty special to watch as we chat with uh, the minor league infield roving coordinator and that is bob missick and uh bob is there anybody who you've seen throughout the course of the 2015 season that has really leapt off the page for you in terms of an improvement from what you saw in spring training to what you've seen now whether it's here in the big leagues or even in the minor leagues too well, I mean, I, you know, it's hard for me not to talk about Arcia. I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the guy just keeps getting better. Uh, when I saw him uh, in the middle of the year in Biloxi, uh, it was amazing how much he grew from the time we left spring training to the middle of the year in Biloxi. I mean, uh, just uh, amazing how quickly he adjusted and has gotten better over a short period of time. And pretty special to have that double play combination with the Adiel Rivera, too. That's a guy that nobody really talks about, but he's pretty special. Can play all three infield positions, third, a little short, and now playing second base with Arcia. That's a fun double play combo. Well, there's a guy that I know that has been working in the minor leagues a long time, a manager for another organization, watched those two play, um, and told me that uh, he thought that was the, as a full package offense uh, defense and base running those two guys together were two of the best middle infielders that he'd seen in his career coming through together pretty special here for the brewers organization bob thanks so much for taking a couple of minutes with us and uh, so happy that you could join us here on this road trip thanks joe checking in on the farm we go down to the farm this week, and as mentioned, only one team competing in the playoffs. That's the Biloxi Shuckers. They finished off with the best record in the Southern League at 78-59. and 59. They will take on the Pensacola Blue Wahoos in the division championship of the Southern League Finals. There were a handful of standout performances this year, and we've talked about them a lot here on Brewers on Tap. But right-hander Tyler Wagner finished 11-5 and and led the Southern League with a 2.25 earned run average. And his teammate Jorge Lopez was named the Southern League Pitcher of the Year going 12-5 and and just being edged in the ERA title by his teammate Tyler Wagner, a 2.26 earned run average. And as you just heard from Bob Missick, the roving infield coordinator for the Brewers, Orlando Arcia, not only a fantastic defensive player, but very good offensively too. Hit 307 this year with eight homers and 69 runs batted in. Also noteworthy in the Brewers system, right-hander Jorge Ortega finished the year 9-9 with a 2.41 earned run average and won the Florida State League's earned run average title. He also made one start in Colorado Springs last week and won that debut. And outfielder Trent Clark was named the Brewers Player of the Month for the month of August. The Brewers' top selection in 2015 hit 333 in 26 games between the Arizona League and the Helena Brewers. He collected five extra base hits and walked 24 times in the month. 
He opened up August reaching base in 12 straight games and had both a seven-game and a nine-game hitting streak in the month of August. Clark finished out the season hitting 311 with 39 runs scored, seven doubles, six triples, couple of homers, 21 runs batted in, and 25 stolen bases on the season. Not a bad debut for an 18-year-old kid in Trent Clark. Here's what's on tap with the Brewers. Here's what's on tap for the Brewers as they continue their 10-game road trip through Miami and Pittsburgh over the weekend before returning home to Milwaukee on Tuesday, August 15th for a six-game homestand with the Cardinals and the Reds coming to town. Look for the Brewers' coupon book giveaway on the 16th, another student night on Friday the 18th, and the Scooter Jeanette Garden Gnome giveaway on Sunday, August 20th against Cincinnati. Also that weekend against the Reds is Fan Appreciation Weekend, and only nine home games remain on the season, so make sure you get to as much action as you can at Miller Park before the next season comes around in April of 2016. Visit Brewers.com for tickets and more information. That's going to do it for this week on Brewers on Tap. Don't forget to tweet those questions each and every week via Twitter to the Brewers using the hashtag Brewers on Tap. Thanks again to our great guests this week, TV broadcaster Brian Anderson and roving infield coordinator Bob Missick for joining the program. My name is Jeff Levering. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the official podcast of the Milwaukee Brewers. This is Brewers on Tap. <laughs>